When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon B.K. Kylie. This is before the box score. What the hell was that? What was that? BK, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. How are you doing? I think that was a heaping plate of vegetables, to steal your phrase. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of vegetables that were consumed, and I think they were expired. Nobody washed them after pulling them out of the dirt. Um, it was just, it was so bad, man. Um, I don't mean to make light of it, but this is the only thing I can do to keep myself sane. I fell for it. You fell for it. We all fell for it. We thought Missouri was better than they are. And there are a lot of reasons as to why they are not a very good football team right now. And that's what we get to get into over the next however long. In case we are your only source of news for Missouri football, Missouri lost 40 to 12. 40, 4 0 to 12. No, 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 no. You actually got that wrong. They lost 40 to 6. Now, Eli Drinkwitz would like you to You're believe right. that it was 40 to 12. He took a timeout right. with basically zero time on the clock to make sure that it was 40 to 12. My good friend, that was 40 to 6. That was 40 to 6. Um, I could I could just rant and ramble, but that's not what we do here. So let's 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 break this down. Um, as far as I see it. You can disagree with me as you see fit, listener, BK. Um, but here, here's what I'm going to start with. Uh, Aliyah Drinkwitz, sir, your time is up. Your time is up. I don't know what honeymoon period we had left, but whatever you had, you it's done. We are done. Missouri fans are rightfully pissed. 
You can only have so many recruiting wins and so many ass beatings in the loss column. Okay. You just, this, it's done. And I think if you look at, if you look at the social media reactions from any loss, it's always bad. This one seems particularly bad. And I, I understand why this, this team, particularly this offense was woefully unprepared. The defense took a little bit of time to figure out what was going on. They locked it in and then got served heaping piles of starting at the 20. Say, all right, stop that. Good luck. Just don't let them score. Got 20 yards to screw it up. So it didn't matter what this defense was going to do. This offense was putrid. Brady Cook had no idea how to read the 3-3-5 before snap or after the snap. He scrambled because he had no idea what he was looking. Now, granted, the 3-3-5 is confusing defense to prepare for. It's funky. It's weird. It's really good at disguising things. Any quarterback struggles with that. He was unprepared. He was incapable of executing the offense against that defense. And Eli Drinkwitz had the gall to stand up at that podium and said, I thought we were prepared. Really? You really thought you were prepared? By what standard? What did you see in practice that you did not see during the game? Because I cannot imagine that you sat there and said, yeah, we're ready to go. Ready to go. If you can't read a coverage beforehand, you can't read a coverage afterhand, you can't, you can't execute the offense. They were not prepared for whatever was coming their way. And frankly, you should have been taking notes against Louisiana Tech. Okay. There were obvious things that weren't working against the 114th best team in the country last week. And you did nothing to change that. In fact, all the cool stuff you showed last week, Luther Burton in the Wildcat, lining up a wide receiver in the H-back position, throwing him a sp- like a little flare, right? All that stuff didn't do it. Didn't do it. Showed none of it. ISO right. Little little hitch passes to the to the sideline, little stretch play to the left left hash. That no no other concept that they could possibly run. So BK, my my first finger in the point of blame goes squarely to Eli Drinkwitz, and everything else falls out underneath there. But really. I don't know, man. It just seems like it's 100% his fault. The reason why this one feels worse is because you can point to one thing, and it was coaching that did them in. Previously, I could make a very strong excuse, explanation, however you want to frame it. You can you can blame it on either of those two things, as an excuse or, or an explanation. In 2020, Missouri lost five games by three scores, and I define uh, three scores by 17 or more points because you need the three scores to be able to get there. But that's, that's what I'm going by here, just to clearly plates where that is Alabama they're talented Tennessee mm-hmm. you can say whatever you want about them they've got crazy talent on the roster same thing for Florida Georgia obviously and then Mississippi State was the fifth game that year that you lost by three scores and they were more talented than you at least in part because you had COVID and basically your entire team so that that game it's a little bit of a disclaimer there but still those are the teams that beat you by three scores in 2020. You can explain or excuse all of those away by a talent deficiency on any given day. And oh, by the way, Missouri was playing that entire season with like 50 scholarships. So that's part of it as well. 2021. These are the teams that beat you by three scores. Tennessee, again, crazy talented. Texas A&M, always talented. Arkansas, a little more talented than you are, at least at that point in their recruiting cycle. And Georgia, who is among the most talented teams in the country, if not the most talented team in the country last year. This year, specifically this game, it was different. You lost by three scores to a team whose recruiting classes have ranked 58th, 49th, 60th, 
and 50th respectively over the last four seasons. This was not a talent gap. Now, if you want to look over there and say, but that team looked more talented than you, I might agree with you, but that's coaching. That's development. That's the ability to take those recruiting classes and make them better than what their recruiting class rankings were. That's Gary Pinkle type of stuff, man. That's what we've seen at Missouri when it works well. What we're seeing right now is watching recruiting classes that are ranked in the top 25 produce like they're ranked the way that K-State's recruiting classes were. And that's what's so damn frustrating and what makes it, in my opinion, the singular most disappointing loss in the Eli Drinkwitz era is because you got your ass kicked by a team that is not more talented than you, at least based on what they have brought in in terms of the recruits. This was coaching. This was not developing your talent. This was not going in with a clear or coherent plan. This was going in and saying, I don't have the dudes to match up against the 50th or 55th most talented team in the country. Man, how is that possible? You have Luther Burden, and he didn't know how to get him the football. You have Dominic Lovett, who I actually think you can make a case last week was... In terms of the usage, I'm not saying a better football player, but I, I'm trying to make this clear because there's kind of differentiations here. But in terms of the usage, the way that he was used, what he was able to do, maybe more impressive as an overall wide receiver last week than Luther Burden, and you couldn't find ways to get him involved in the game, your entire game plan to open up seemingly was, let's just try not to lose this early on, and then hopefully we'll be in it late enough to where maybe we can win it. That was never going to work. Never. They have too much speed on that defense. They play the 3-3-5 that is going to suffocate anything to the outside. And all Eli Drinkwitz wanted to run in the running game was the zone outside zones, which he loves, but it was never going to work today. And then he just said, ah, keep doing it. Maybe eventually it's going to work. And then he threw everything within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So they started creeping up. And who could have seen this coming? It went poorly for Mizzou. I... On top of all of that, by the way, there's one other thing that frustrated the hell out of me about what Eli Drinkwitz did in this game. You also look at the way that they had to take a timeout prior to your first play back after back-to-back -back TV timeouts from a point after try and then the kickoff. You had a false start on your first drive. You took a delay of game on a punt, and that's all within the first 20 minutes of the game. It's just... I mean, you... You got outplayed. We saw that. That was at least one of the things that we could have seen coming. You also got outcoached, and you looked like you were outclassed by K-State. That is not something that I was as a, that I was prepared for the way that we saw it play out on the game. And that was, that's Eli Drinkwitz's worst game since he's been at Mizzou, and I don't know that there's a close second. I mean, I guess the close second is Tennessee of 21. But again, at right. least they're crazy talented. And I can point yep. to, all right, you just didn't have the dudes. Th yep. This was, this was not supposed to be that. Phillip Brooks, uh, wide receiver extraordinaire, kick returner extraordinaire, uh, unranked player from Lee Summit, Missouri, didn't have any offers from Missouri. Returned a kick for a touchdown. Felix and Indique. The King Felix, the monster defensive end, two-star prospect out of Kansas City. Not a single offer from Missouri. Kay, uh, uh, Cooper Beeb, uh, their starting center, Kansas City. Not an offer from Missouri. 
just, nope. Nope. Not good enough for Missouri. Good enough for Kansas State. Plowed your ass. How's it? Nope. Bring in Adrian Martinez, four-star quarterback, right? What's he end up doing? What's he end up doing? Nine for 20? 100 yards? Yeah. Well, defense did fine. Hemmed him in for the most part. Deuce Vaughn got his. He always he was always going to get his. They kind of figured that that offense out. They just kept getting trotted out into positions that they could not win. They were always going to give up points. And the offense had no answer. No answer. I whatever <laughs> we 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 give him his flowers as far as, you know, hey, offensive mastermind, quarterback whisper, like we based off of what he's done in the past. Since he's gotten to Missouri. I don't know what you call him now. Good recruiter. You know, Kansas State, I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, if he's going to be, God, who was, the, who was Illinois' coach? Who used to coach at Florida? They took him to the Rose Bowl. Ron. Uh, Ron Zook. Zook. Ron Zook. He was a dynamite recruiter. One of the best. Got got Illinois to a, to a BCS Bowl. Just based off of talent. Like, don't get me wrong. College football, college sports in general, but certainly college football, amass the most talent, you're going to win games. So I'm not knocking Eli Drinkwitz for that. What I am going to say is, what is Missouri's identity here? What does Missouri do? Because outside of this year, the defense has been trash. If the, if the, the identity is, oh, well, we're going to trot out one running back who's going to carry it for 78% of the carries and be awesome and make it to the NFL. Okay, well, how do you recruit to that long-term? <laughs> right With the guys that you want to get, how do you bring them in here long-term? There is no offensive identity. There's no creativity. Certainly not this week. There was some last week. Just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it this week. Road game, in the rain. Stretch right. Stretch left. Why is this not working? And you have a quarterback who's completely unprepared to play against a 3-3-5. So here we are. Zoo got blown out, and that is squarely on Eli Drinkwitz. To his credit, he said, yeah, blame me. Yeah, Eli, we are blaming you. Because it was very clear what the problem was from the start. You mentioned the timeout usage. You mentioned the, the penalties. Like that, it's, just, it's bad. 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 And this falls onto, again, mostly Drinkwitz and this staff. But we do need to get to the other offensive problem, which is this offensive line. It is not good. It is not 2015 bad. I'm not going to go that far. At least not yet. But it is a liability. And we've said all offseason, the offensive line, their strength is their numbers. Their strength is their options. They got a lot of options. We'll see who can step up and, you know, you might have a deep rotation. Well, nope, guess not. Because they're not any good and no one else is stepping up to pitch in. In the story. You got Xavier Delgado who went out with an injury. Luke Griffin comes in <laughs> somehow worse. So this is where we're at. There is no answer to the offensive line. So maybe I will give him a little bit of credit. Maybe you can't do what you want to do because your offensive line is down an all-SEC center and a, a borderline all-SEC right tackle. Okay. Well, figure it out. Figure out plays that don't ask a Juco tackle to block one of the most unstoppable defensive ends. Have him, I don't know, read him? Read him out of the play? Right? Maybe move the pocket away from him? 
I don't know. Brady Cook likes to run. He certainly was running for his life today because he couldn't make his read downfield. Why don't we get some mobility in the passing game? Maybe we use that to get some rub routes and get them get the receivers on a delayed screen. I don't know. Just spitballing here in five seconds, and I'm not paid $4 million to coach football. The offensive line is a liability. This staff knows it. They did nothing, nothing to work around the weakness. Instead, they said, nope. We're just going to keep doing what we do, and somehow it's going to work eventually, and it didn't. So I don't know what you do with that, but this staff needs to adapt or needs to find better answers at the offensive line because if they are just going to say, nope, it is what it is, this is going to be a very long season. I think the biggest thing is, to your point of, you know what this offensive line is. Like We could see it. We saw it after one game against Louisiana Tech, and we said going in, the biggest concern is, how does that unit hold up against this K-State offensive line? And really, the, this K-State defense, because the 3-3-5 kind of throws everything off. So how, how do they hold up against that unit? And the answer was horrible. And they never adjusted. Never. Like, at what point are we going to see him move the pocket for Brady Cook? I just want to see once a hard play action where he turns his back to the defense and takes a shot deep just once just to see what it looks like. And then after that, I would love to see because they, they use so much of that um, off tackle zone with their running backs. Fake that, get the quarterback moving off of that, have Luther Burden coming from the slot on the on the weak side and going across the um, the formation have somebody else doing a crosser going in the other direction, get get a rub there, and Luther Burden is now four to five yards down the field, working himself into the open field, and your quarterback is going simultaneously in the same direction, and you give him an easy pass to Luther Burden in space where you get your best playmaker the ball, again, in space. Just something like that, moving the pocket around, having the ability to have easy, quick, defined reads. Those are things that we saw none of against K-State. And I just, I, I couldn't be more shocked by it. And I, I thought last week was a step in the right direction with some of what Eli Drinkwitz decided to do. Uh, today was a massive step in the wrong direction. I mean, where where was any of the creativity? Any of it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't understand how you had all offseason to be able to figure out, okay, what could we do that might work? Just might. Like, just throw everything against the wall at this point against a 3-3-5. And that's what we get. Because let's be honest, man, they weren't game planning for Louisiana Tech. And if they were... Good God, why? <laughs> why were you? Um, it worked. <laughs> like, either you're stupid or you ended up just going about it all the wrong way. Like, I, I don't really know what to say. And I don't think Eli Drinkwitz is stupid. Like, for all of the criticisms that we have about no. the guy, he's not stupid. So I don't believe that he put out a unique game plan for Louisiana Tech. So why did that look more unique than the one that you had against Kansas State and your first game and your only game in the first three weeks of the season in which you needed a game plan. You had basically a month between the first week of practice heading into Louisiana Tech and the second game that you actually have to game plan for against Auburn on the road. And this is what they came up with. 
That is highly discouraging to me. So I guess to sum up kind of the thoughts on Eli Drinkwitz, it's this. I think Drinkwitz is a great recruiter, as you mentioned, with with Ron Zook. I think he is a tireless recruiter. I think he has clearly improved the overall talent level on this roster. I think it's hard to refute that fact, honestly. I also think that we have been talking about this for a while, and it continues to need to be said, a lot of that talent is not seeing the field right now in favor of older guys that have been offered opportunities elsewhere, decided that it was not going to work out for them there, and then they came to Missouri for a better opportunity. Now, in some cases, that has worked out to a incredibly high degree. In other cases, less so. But what you end up seeing is something like what we saw today when it doesn't work out. And then we get to the quarterback spot. And Nate, I will allow you the opportunity to have first honors with that. Remember when Eli Drinkwitz was trying to bring every single transfer quarterback onto his team? Do you remember that? The cry for help that we saw all offseason? Yeah, I remember that. The cry for help, yeah. Might have been something to that. And what he wanted was JT Daniels or Jaden Daniels or Gary Bohannon. And what he ended up with was a Jack Abraham. (laughs) I tried to warn you guys. I tried. (laughs) I told you it wasn't good. You had, for the first time since 1971, two Missouri quarterbacks throw two interceptions in the same damn game. Mm -hmm. That's what we got in the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. A guy who did worse than Brady Cook. Worse. (laughs) Mizzou's quarterback finished the day 15 for 27 for 128 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and somehow looked worse than the numbers indicate. And the backup was so bad that after three opportunities throwing the football, three passes. Three passes. they decided, nope, going back to the other guy. <laughs> Here's my other question, and I put it out on Twitter. I'm going to say it again here. If you're losing to a Power 5 team by 30 in the fourth quarter and you don't put in every underclassman that went on the travel roster with you, when are you going to put them in? You're not. When's the correct time? They're not playing. Marquise Gracie has not seen the field this year. Not once. It's not going to happen. It's apparently just not going to happen. Sam Horn is not going to go out there. No, no need to get him experience against a Power 5 team on the road. No, there's no need for that. We need to put it. We got to score another touchdown before this game's over, so it looks like 40 to 12. That's the important part, which tells me, and I'm... Okay, hold on. I am going to I'm I'm about to say a bunch of words that are 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 way too accusatory, so I'm just going to back off on that. But what I am going to say is if you care about the health of this program long term, you need to put in your young guys at some point. If you are not doing it, then I don't know what you are doing with those young guys. Why have them? Why have them? Job security baby. <laughs> like it's Great. This is also the transfer portal era yeah. with a free transfer. You remember that drink where, you know, someone can say, yeah, screw this. I'm going somewhere else. They're going to say that if they get, you know, four games a year. I'm like, oh, really? Really? They can go anytime they want. 
anytime they want. And when you bring in the talent that you bring in, there's a lot of better programs going, hey, we love you here. You can go, you know what? No, I'm going to take a flyer of the home team. I'm going to take a flyer with Missouri. I'm going to give this a shot. And if you're not even seeing the field, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. So, like, this, it's bad. Brady Cook was. I, I was one of his most public defenders. I felt like I was a uh, a public defense attorney last week, and I had to tell everybody that Brady Cook wasn't as bad as they think he was. And I still believe that to be the case. By the way, <laughs> we could fight I tooth do. and nail. I do too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was every bit as bad as you think it was today. He looked lost, and I I think. I still believe that by the end of his career, Brady Cook has the opportunity to be a capable college football starting quarterback. Hell, I may, maybe this year he could be that. He's not getting any help from the offensive line. He he didn't get a lot of help from the receivers today either, and he certainly didn't get a bone thrown his way by the quarterback. And when you have all of those other factors going against you, like it's hard to rise above that when we said last week he's going to be a reflection of what his surroundings are. And his surroundings this week were crap, and so this week, his play wasn't very good, but man, you you can't lead that kind of an offense against that kind of a team on the road and think that it's going to go well in the SEC. Missouri finished the day today, Nate, with a 3.4 yards per play average. Do you know when the last time was God. that Missouri was that bad on a per play average against a non-conference yeah. opponent? No. Purdue, 19. Or Purdue eight seventeen. Go back further. Um, jeez. I mean, go really far into your, the the recess of your mind. <laughs> was it New Mexico oh five? Uh, even further. It was oh when God. Missouri lost to Michigan State in two thousand and one. Fifty five to seven. Now, a lot of people remember that as being one of those days where it was like, oh God, this is this might not work. Like, what, what we're doing here is not going well. Uh, this felt like that. And I don't really know how to explain it. And if I was Eli Drinkwitz, I'm not. People should be happy about that fact. I wouldn't know the first thing about <laughs> coaching college football. However, one thing that I would like to see them do is next week, Sam Horn is the number two quarterback. And because we're playing Abilene Christian, I would normally say this is a stupid idea, like the worst idea. This is going to invite criticism publicly of they don't have a quarterback, but that already exists. So yeah, whatever, we're, we're, we're already here. I would flip series. It's Abilene Christian. Series number one can be Brady Cook. That's our guy. Series number two, Sam Horn. Let's see what you got. You can beat Abilene Christian regardless of who your quarterback is. I don't care if Sam Horn's ready or not. He can play against Abilene Christian, and it mm -hmm. it should not prevent you from winning that game. Might not go as well as you expected to, but give him an opportunity with the ones out there. I want to see what it looks like when he's throwing to Luther Burden and Dominic Lovett. And if it looks great, man, I might start him against Auburn. And if it goes poorly and after a quarter, it's clear that guy just doesn't have a chance out there. Then, OK, we'll go back to Brady Cook. I know that's not going to go well, though. Like what I after what I just saw against Kansas State. I know it's going to look really bad when Brady Cook plays against Auburn, Georgia, and Florida in consecutive weeks. That's not going to be good. Yep. It's going to go poorly. So let's see what the young guy has to offer. I know Jack Abraham can't do it. I saw him throw three passes today, and two of them went to the wrong team, 
and one of them was an incomplete pass. <laughs> so like that, that that guy is not the answer. So nope. uh, my my plan at the quarterback position next week would determine my quarterback plan for the next three weeks after that. And I would be switching based on the drives, just like they do at running back at times. And I'd have Sam Horn as that number two quarterback right now. I'm looking at uh, Bill C's FCS rankings currently. Um, so Louisiana Tech heading into this into this week was the 119th best team with the 96th best offense and the 123rd best defense. Abilene Christian is 61st in the FCS, which puts them roughly. I mean, you got to figure out the the bad P, the bad uh, FBS teams kind of filter in and out, but they're basically. 188th in all of college football. Their offense is 101st in the FCS, which is like real Jeez, 200. Good forward. And then their defense is 31st in the FCS, which puts them around 101, roughly, uh, in all of college football. So um, Missouri carved up the 123rd best defense in college football. It, it doesn't matter what quarterback they put out there. Adeline Christian will crumble. Okay. So, yes, this is this is your moment. Eli Drinkwitz and staff, if you care about the future of this program and growing it to something better than what it currently is, you need to get your youth out there. You have to. You have to show us something to believe in, something to enjoy. How many times have we talked about Missouri comes into the season, wins Augustine, sales are blowing. Hey, we're feeling great. You get a win, and then you lose, and everything goes away. Just, just saps it immediately. This was that loss. Give us something. I don't care if it's Abilene Christian. Give us something to go, ha-ha, yeah, see? Last week was bad. I feel better. And you got that for another five days before Auburn crushes all of our hopes. Give us something. And if that's Sam Horn throwing to Luther Burden, do it. Do it. Give us something. Because if Brady Cook takes all 72 snaps of that game, you're – you're not showing us anything that we haven't seen. You're not giving us any reason to hope. Like, th- this is your time. Please show us something. Unfortunately, if I had to predict what I think we're going to see next week, <laughs> I think Mizzou goes up big. They'll they'll look awesome. It's Abilene Christian. Like you said, they're no good. They're, they're a bad football team. And so what you'll end up seeing is Mizzou goes up, and after the first half, it'll be like, I don't know, uh, 31 to 3, something like that. And then in the second half, you'll see a whole lot of Jack Abraham. He'll look fine, mostly, and yep. he'll have that quick passing game going. He'll look accurate. Mizzou will end up taking the lead, like, I don't know, 60 to, to 6 or something like that late. And you'll say to yourself, all right, cool. Uh, glad we saw that. I think that's going to be the way that next week goes. And we'll learn basically nothing out of it. Um, but yep. that, that would be my prediction on, on what we will see instead of what we should see. Yeah, I'm not arguing with you because that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't even know what to say anymore. I, I, I tuned out in the fourth quarter. Uh, I had no interest in doing this podcast, but they pay us to do it, so here we are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just say this, BK. I know in, in our debate about whether you schedule for interest or you schedule for wins – one of your calling cards, and I, I agree with it, one of your, your consistent calling cards is it's really helpful to figure out what you have early in the season before you get into conference games. So, BK, please, God, 
what what have we learned from this game? That so going into it, my hope <laughs> this was the hope was that this game could change your season expectations. Because if you win it, and we said this on our on our midweek podcast, if you win it, I suddenly change how I feel about Auburn and South Carolina and maybe even Kentucky. Like those three games suddenly feel more winnable, if nothing else. Like even if they're not like guaranteed wins, they, they feel win- very winnable for Missouri if you won this game or even played them really tight in K-State. Now, the, the, the downside <laughs> to such a game is that you can also learn the opposite of that. And that's how I feel right now, Nate. I feel like what I now know is that Missouri's going to beat Abilene Christian. Missouri should, again, should beat Vanderbilt. Missouri's going to beat New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I don't know that anything else feels winnable right now. Like, not only do I not think that they are going to be favored in any of the other games. I'm also not sure how winnable any of them feel. Now, Missouri might pull off an upset somewhere. You could you could get one at South Carolina, for example. I don't know how good they are. Um, maybe you find a way to pull one off because you're at home against Kentucky or something like that. That feels difficult because at that point in time, Rodriguez will be back and Will Levis is a really good quarterback. But the, the point is... This no longer feels like a ceiling of an eight-win season, which is what we were hoping for coming out of the K-State game. Yeah. This now feels like a ceiling of six, with the potential of it being like four or five. And that sucks. So Mm -hmm. that's what I think we learned today, is that the ceiling is exponentially lower than what we had hoped, and the floor also just completely gave out. It's like I don't know if you have, I don't know if you had this at Six Flags or not, Nate. But growing up in Kansas City, we had this ride at Worlds of Fun. Uh, anybody at, at, from KC that has been has, will, will know what I'm talking about. And what happens is you stick against the wall and it spins you around as fast as oh. possible, yeah. and then suddenly the floor drops out and you're just held to the wall by your own momentum. That's what this felt like. The floor just completely gave out. And now we're spinning, and I always felt sick afterwards. I feel sick thinking about it right now. So that's that's where Missouri football is today. Man, yeah. What sucks the most, what sucks the most, is that barring some massive upset, we're still not going to know what this Missouri Tiger team truly can do until October 22nd. October 22nd, because you just got your butts whipped by Kansas State. Abilene Christian is going to teach you nothing. Then you have two road games in Georgia, two conference road games in Georgia. We already know, you know, I guess Drinkwitz is now is two and eight on the road Good as Lord. a Missouri Tiger coach. He is one in 12 all time when trailing at halftime. That None of that's going to change. And if you're not going to play the young guys, then certainly there's not going to be any glimmer of hope. It's going to take till almost Halloween to figure out their next test, which is Vanderbilt at home. This is this is how you lose momentum, man. This is how you lose it. I, w- I, I was going into this game resigned to the fact, eh, you know what? Missouri's probably going to lose this, but I bet they put on a really good show. I bet they play them really tight. And I do like Kansas State to win the Big 12. 
Okay, so that's that's not so that's not me sliding Missouri. That's me saying Kansas State's a good freaking team. I think Missouri has the horses to scare the hell out of them at home. And you did the one thing you couldn't do, which is just get wiped out. Just completely wiped out. So, you know, last week I of course cursed it by saying I didn't know if Missouri was in the win small or win big phase, but I was pretty sure they weren't in the lose big phase. <laughs> Screw me. <laughs> um, we are back squarely in that possibility. And you don't have the the talent deficit like we like you mentioned. That's not an excuse in this case. And probably shouldn't be an excuse going forward, but whatever. So we're really not going to know what this team is until they play Vanderbilt, and that stinks. Now, if they upset Auburn or upset Florida, cool. Maybe we'll get some inkling there of what's going on, but I don't know. This is this has done nothing to keep my interest, and obviously we are. I love this team, and I want this team to do well, and I'm going to – curiously set aside time every week to watch this team play, but you can't, you can't do this. You can't play like this and expect the, the support that you, that he is craving, that he's been asking for constantly. You just, this doesn't, this doesn't add up. You can't recruit like that and lose like that to a team like this. That's just not possible. Find an identity, play your talent. And by God, do not lose by 30 on the road to Kansas state. You just, you can't you do anything but that. So I'm just asking him to be competitive. Be competitive down the stretch. Give me something to hope for. Play some youngsters, but just don't get blown out like this anymore. Please, God. Oh, it's coming, though. We're like, there's going to be multiple blowouts down the stretch. I hate to be there. Yes. Like that. But it, it just won't. One. It just hopefully won't feel as bad because Kate, it's not K-State that did it. It's Georgia or Florida or other teams that are more talented than you again. Um, okay. Note of optimism. Harrison Mavis is still really good. So that was nice to see. 49 and 44 both felt automatic. I I actually like went to go get a beer when Harrison Mavis kicked his first one from 49 because I just (laughs) there was no doubt. Um, So that was nice to see. Secondarily, we can get more into this in the middle of the week, maybe in our next podcast, because let's be honest, there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about when it comes to Abilene Christian. I got to give credit where it's due, man. The defense gave you every opportunity to be able to have a chance to come back in that one from the start of the second quarter until about midway through almost late into the third quarter. Here were the drives for K-State punt, 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 field goal, field goal attempt missed and then field goal again that that drive started at the Mizzou 19. There was nothing that they were going to be able to do to prevent that. That's the entire second and third quarters right there. Yeah, that's as much as you could possibly ask for from your defense. But they just kept throwing them out there because in that same stretch of time, Missouri's offense went three and out, three and out, punt, end of half. And God only knows what that end of half sequence was. Field goals, good drive coming out of the half. Interception, 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 interception. Like. Yeah. They, they gave them no chance. The defense had no chance. They started out poorly, and it kind of threw us off the scent, and I was worried of, oh, boy, last week was a mirage. This defense is every bit as bad as some thought that it might be. No, it's still okay. It's not great, <laughs> but it's still okay. No. Yeah. And it, it kind of felt like watching a 2015 Missouri football game where the offense has no chance. The defense holds on for dear life as long as it can, gives the offense every opportunity to work its way back into the game, and eventually it's just clear, oh, they got nothing left. This is over, and late, the other team just completely takes advantage. So, um, 
That is my note of optimism, is that the defense was better today. <laughs> they were better. There, there's, no, there's no way around it. They were definitely better. But yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. We finally fixed the defense just in time for the offense to completely fall apart. Very, very on brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to talk anymore. That's all I got, okay, man. Let's, that's let's, all I got. Let's end on, let's end on that note. Uh, that's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock and Nation. And listen to BK talk uh, about all good sports on, on, on St. Louis Radio 101 ESPN. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time, including the team. And until then, MIZ. See you.